ہے I was in a store the other day and heard music that I was humming along with for a little bit and was only mildly annoyed that it was Christmas music a month before Christmas and and then I realized but wait it's not really Christmas music it's it's truly advent music so much of us in the church work really hard to say that christmas is coming it's not here yet christmas begins december 25th and goes through january 6th the day of epiphany and so that's the the season of christmas or christmas tide and what we have before that is advent I'm reminded of a few years ago when the church phone rang and I answered and someone very nicely said, "Will there be special Christmas music this Sunday?" And I took a deep breath and I said, "Well, there's special music every Sunday and especially special music this Sunday, but it's Advent and it'll be wonderful and Christmas begins December 25th. You can come to one of three services. Click." <laughs> I think they went to the Methodist church that day. <laughs> But what I heard in the store the other day was oddly enough truly advent music. It was a, a section from Handel's Messiah that a lot of people know and many of us sort of hum along with and sing along with in the shower perhaps. Um, it's that section of Handel's Messiah that really is about waiting. About waiting in the darkness, waiting in the silence, about living in the wilderness. that piece i heard comes from the very first part of messiah from part 1 scene 1 as the tenor sings those words from isaiah 40 they're meant to be soothing words we just sang them in a kind of dance and that that's exactly the spirit in which god intends it comfort ye comfort ye my people saith your god speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished that her iniquity is pardoned for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins you know that part of the music probably many of us do but then the music stops and the soloist proclaims a shift a, a change something new is about to happen the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god i love that uh, section of messiah because it really does set the tone for everything that's to come it names what we are about in this season of advent the season of of waiting and hoping for isaiah god's word comes from the wilderness which should be no surprise if we think about the entire story of the Hebrew people over and over again God speaks in the wilderness sometimes the noise of the city is overcoming and so people are driven into the wilderness just to get a clearer sense of God's intentions through Isaiah God wants this to be heard as good news but it must have been startling it must have been surprising it it might have even been a little scary most biblical scholars agree that by the time of isaiah's writing what we know as isaiah 
Jerusalem had already been conquered by Assyria. Think about that for a minute. That city that so fully has and does and probably always will symbolize the fullness of God's presence, this holy city of David so long imagined impenetrable. Jerusalem high up on a hill, so often compared to a tree, a giant tree, but by the time of Isaiah's writing, this tree has been cut down to a stump. And so this once great city is now a stump with no life in it, or so it seems, a stump for nothing but firewood for the Assyrians. And so for Jerusalem and all those who lived there, it must have surely felt like they were in the wilderness, cut off and forgotten, a wilderness of lost wealth, a wilderness of lost confidence, a wilderness of lost faith. And so they needed God's word of hope and God's word of encouragement. Think about the wilderness. It's an unruly place. It's a place where the demons live. It's a place of chaos and disorder. The wilderness, in terms of faith, is usually a place to be feared. It's the wilderness that the people of Israel wander in for 40 years. And Jesus, no sooner is he baptized and, and proclaimed the Son of God, than he's driven into the wilderness. And there he comes face to face with the devil, with the, the embodiment of all of his own deepest, darkest temptations. But while the wilderness can be scary and strange, it's where God's word lives. It's where God's word comes from and speaks truth and light and and hope. Isaiah's message is that new life is coming. Ahead is renewal and growth and a life with God richer than you've ever imagined. Sorrow and affliction will be turned into beauty and glory. In a very similar way, the word of God comes to John the Baptist in the wilderness. And John seems to have always kept one foot in the wilderness, even as he preaches. He, He never forgets where he comes from. He seems to sound and even smell like the wilderness out of which he steps. John's is that voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way, do whatever it takes, get prepared for Christ to come. But it's in this wild place, it's in the wilderness, that that John gains his strength. It's there that John finds clarity and purpose. He finds God there, God in the wild. That can be a helpful thing to remember whenever we feel like we're in the wilderness. It can mean survival, certainly spiritual survival, sometimes simply to remember that God comes to us, especially in those places that seem wild, uncharted, and dangerous. Especially at this time of the year, we encounter the wilderness sometimes in surprising places and times. We might be caught in a place of loneliness that can feel every bit as desolate as a desert. Or perhaps here at the end of a calendar year, we might feel completely lost in bills or an endless Christmas list or the maze of other people's expectations for us. 
Or we might find ourselves at one of those obligatory office or family gatherings where it's a room full of people and it seems like everybody is enjoying themselves, but to us the room feels barren and we feel alone. It could be your health or someone else's health that makes you feel like you're living in the wilderness. Who knows what it is that can put us there sometimes for a minute, sometimes for a day, sometimes for years and years. It can be the death of a friend or a loved one or a partner. It can be problems at work or problems in a relationship or family dynamics or just the stress of this time of year, whatever it might be. For the person there, the wilderness seems completely real and totally remote. But God's word is there. God's word is whispering in the wilderness. Teresa of Avila writes that for 18 years, she said her prayers and heard nothing coming back from God. But she kept on. I think Teresa is a saint not because she did holy things or has a miracle or two attached to her name, but a saint of persistence, a saint of the wilderness, a saint of the dark night. She kept on and she knew God in the keeping on. The music begins with prepare, that music from Handel, music of Isaiah, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. But the music prepare, the music continues in a way, prepare because, prepare because every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill be brought low, the crooked straight, the rough smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God, all flesh See and know and feel the salvation of God. Every people, every one of us, seeing and knowing and loving and living in God's saving strength, saving love, saving mercy, saving redemption. When I was little, and perhaps even now, my favorite book was always Where the Wild Things Are, the Maurice Sindak book. If you know the book or know the story, it's been made into a movie or two, an opera, all kinds of things. You know that the little boy Max gets into trouble because he raises holy ruckus in his house while wearing his wolf costume. Those days will come, Jack, I promise you. (laughs) And so... Not Jack, but Max is sent to his room without supper, and that's when the wild things come out. Perhaps in a dream, perhaps in a vision, perhaps real, who knows? The wild things come, or actually Max goes to the wild things. He goes to the wild side, and he comes face to face with all kinds of monsters. What's fascinating about them is the monsters are scary, yet familiar. They're dangerous, yet delightful. In the movie a few years ago, uh, Maurice Sindak had a heavy hand in the movie production, and the, the monsters looked strangely like the relatives who were around the dinner table. Max deals with these monsters. He faces them head on, and they proclaim him their king. But then Max gets lonely, In the midst of the monsters who've just made him king, he's lonely, he's empty, he misses home. 
And so he leaves this magical, scary, but wonderful, triumphant place where he's king. And he goes home. And then there's a knock on the door and his mother has supper. I love that story because I think of its darkness, because of its reality. There have been all sorts of academic papers written on what's really going on in this story. Um, But at many levels, it is about each one of us um, going to some place or finding ourselves in some place face to face with the monsters, with the demons, with the challenges, and with time and, in our case, with prayer and with a sense of God's love, We tame those monsters, at least for a moment or two. We find our way to live among them, to befriend them, to be their king, their queen, their brother, their sister. I don't know if Jack knows that book yet. He probably will before too long. And whether fortunate or unfortunate, he will probably know a few monsters along the way. And so today we administer the sacrament of holy baptism. Not to pretend there won't be monsters, not to pretend there won't be times when he goes to the wilderness, uh, but to equip him and strengthen him for all that may come. Just as Jesus was baptized before going into the wilderness, we baptize Jack and celebrate with his family this amazing life ahead of him, amazing life for all those who know and love him already. And so we pray for him today, but we also pray for ourselves with with tremendous hope that whenever we're at a low point, God raises us up. Whenever there's a mountain that feels like we can't get over, God reduces its size a little bit and gives us a hand up. Even today, as Jack's family and friends make commitments and promises on his behalf, we know through faith that God is already promising and fulfilling God's side of those promises to give strength and love and life everlasting. Again and again, we say and sing that Advent is a season of hope. And it is a season of hope when we hear God's promise again to each one of us and we hear God's plan for saving the world and saving us even from ourselves whether we find ourselves in the wilderness only briefly or for a longer time, or perhaps find others we love and encounter in the wilderness, may we do what we can to prepare our hearts, to prepare our hearts through turning and turning again toward God, so that we might know God and have God's love for us and for the world. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.